Make your way, if you would. We're going to do a couple things. Acts chapter 17, put your finger there, and then in Ephesians chapter 3. But, you know, we went all the way to Washington, and there's this couple out there. They're a pretty cool couple. They have this uh, old, this Trout Lake, Washington. It's like, it's this crazy little town, and they bought this school, and, 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 they kind of host youth retreats and stuff at it. And, and they were both kind of concerned because their daughter had, had just bought a house and she, she moved out of state so far away. And we're like, oh, that's where'd she move? And they were like, Joplin. <laughs> we're like, what? <laughs> and so we talked to her about, you know, they bought a house over on, on 27th over there somewhere. And, and I thought, man, that's incredible. You picked the one spot, you know, to live. And, and so they were pretty encouraged, the fact that, you know, maybe she could find a church home here. At least they know somebody in the area where she lives. And then we go whitewater rafting for the first time ever, which was insane. And our rafting guide was from Neosho. I'm like, this, like it's some weird time warp we're in, you know, and, and really... As hectic as this last couple of weeks have been, those little, those, those two little crumbs have kind of been a hinge for me because Zachariah says this, it's not by my, my, by might, right? It's not by power, but, but by what? By spirit. Yeah, just yell it. Yeah, you can yell it out if you know it. Spirit. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit. And that's, that's really what we're going to look at today is what does that actually mean to be in the spirit in this world? You know, and it's in the book of Acts, Paul was addressing this group of, of people who had gathered there in Athens. You know, Athens had multiple, multiple deities. <coughs> Excuse me. They worshiped a bunch of things. And he says there in Acts 17, men of Athens, you go, I perceive in all things you're very religious for as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. And that's important for us to understand because since man has walked this earth, there have been questions. <laughs> Why are we here? How did we, how did we get here? You know, those are great questions to ask. What, what are we supposed to be doing while we're here? I mean, some of you guys have got it figured out, but some of us are hopelessly lost as we were when we were kids. Almost every person, almost every religious affiliation, almost everything you can imagine is based off the fact that there has to be something more than just this terra firma that we walk on, this flesh and blood that we live in. And we seem to understand this, that even non-Christians and those who don't, you know, accept Christ of the world, however you want to see that, the demographic of, of, of the rest, understand that there's so much more than what we can just touch and see. Something is at play. You know, we mother nature, you know, we use those terms a lot. You know, father time. There's, there's, there's aliens, which there may be, I don't know. It just seems odd that this group of people who can transcend space come to earth and stack up rocks and never come back again. But anyway, that's a different Bible study. You know, ghosts, the power of squeezing a crystal. I mean, we have all these things, getting in tune with your electric pulse and understanding. Yeah. The big guy upstairs, you know, a lot of people say that. There's always been something else, and we know that. 
That's just the way that we're wired. And Paul finishes there in Acts 17. He says, because of this, because he understands that we just don't know the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim today. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples with hands, nor does he worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they, us, the rest of us, should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. And that's really the reason why we're here, isn't it? We have came to the awareness, the church, the disciples of Christ, that, that there is an invisible realm, that there is something more to this life. And fortunately for myself and a bunch of you, it's about that belief that God has placed us here. He has this thing under control. And so, therefore, there is a ton to be excited about for the future. You may be here questioning even the existence of God this morning, and that's, that's fine. But we just can't escape this feeling that there has to be something guiding us. There has to be something out there. And the good news is there is. It's God. This unknown force, this, all these things pushing around that seem to be shuffling things about. Listen, that's the way God works. But we were made... As Paul says, in the image of God. We're not built for this life. We're built for eternity. We are essentially already spiritual beings who are going to pass from this life on into the other realm. That's by design. John writes this, all things were made through him and nothing was made that was made. In other words, it's all from him. Every single thing is created because of God, and that includes you. That includes myself. We're here. <laughs> the obvious point is because of God. We're designed perfectly. We're built exactly the way we are supposed to be built, with the intellect and the ability, so that one day we can find this God that created us and begin to live in this world that we walk in, but also function in the spiritual world. And when we do those things combined together, we will find purpose and hope. We find ourselves in Ephesians 3, and if you're there, look at, look at verse 8. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you catch that? Did you see that, that hope and that power, an eternal 
purpose has been granted through Christ Jesus to us. An eternal purpose beyond this reality into this heavenly realm. (laughs) Those are some pretty big requests since we are all reasonably stupid. I don't understand this realm, let alone that realm. I'm having enough time just getting up in the morning and finding things to, where are my keys? Where's my wallet? Let alone this battle and this world that exists that we don't, we can't see. Enter Christ. Jesus came to save this creation from certain destruction. Yeah, we know all the things and the plan for salvation, but to help us live in that eternal purpose. The writer of Hebrews, who some say it's Paul, that's if that's you, you're probably in good company, writes this in the book of Hebrews. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, Paul says this, now in the last days has spoken to us by his son. And that's important that we know why Jesus Why did he send his son? Well, for our sakes, for our life, for our abilities in this world and for our abilities in the eternal. So that there could be a payment for our sins. We understand that in the promise of salvation once and for all. That finished work that no longer needs us to try and horrifically fail at living a holy life. Through the blood of Christ, we understand that bill is paid. And now really what God wants out of us is just a confession of that sin and a belief that Jesus will complete that transaction in Jesus. We talked about that Thursday night. Me and Billy were talking about that. The dots are connecting. You know, the spirit is at work. And that's the good news. That it's done. It's finished. That Christ came. And we can all rest in that. And that's fine. Until you realize that while we're on this planet, while we're in this realm, that not everyone believes like you believe. <laughs> not everyone is designed like you. Not, not the same car, not the same career, not the same upbringing. Everyone is completely different. Everything is not perfect on this world. Everything is not holy. People need Christ. And God has chosen who? us. Imagine that. To relay this message, this amazing gift of salvation that, hey, we're going someplace. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know when it's going to happen, but we're leaving this and we're going into another place. You should, you should come with us. That's the message of Christ. In the world we live in, in the time that we have been given on this earth, And in the space that we've been allotted to roam around in, Jesus really becomes a picture of what that means to live in the spirit life while on this earth, you know, working, enjoying time with with friends and with family, laughing, crying, all the things he did, going through the same things that we went through that we still go through. We need a reference. Jesus is that reference, that visual example, if you will, of a flesh and blood human being working perfectly in the spiritual realm. 
And Jesus, in his most condensed definition, came to be a payment and then to show us the power of that Holy Spirit accessed perfectly and used in the life of a human being to make God known. I mean, you look at the life that Christ lived while on this planet and the ministry he had in that very short amount of time. I mean, he healed. We know that. He raised from the dead, you know, Lazarus. He comforted those who were mourning. He taught perfectly the word of God to the church and to those around him. He rebuked those who were jacking everything up, who just never got it right. He gave hope. He spoke truth on and on and on. You look at his attributes. If we try to fulfill that mission, we are doing what the Lord has called us to do as disciples. We should look somewhat like the life of Christ. I have come to believe over the years that I know Jesus is God and he's man. And, and that's very confusing for me. I'm a simple caveman. I'm still trying to figure out how the light in the fridge comes on. Okay, let's be real. But I understand as I've walked with the Lord and, and studied his word and just really how, how close we seem to get, yet how far we are away to the life of Christ. The most defining characteristic of Christ is found in John. And Jesus says, I do nothing of myself. But as my father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone. And this amazing statement, I always do the things that please him. Always. Not one misspoken word. Not one untimely action or countenance that is unreflective of God. 100% in the spirit serving Christ or serving God, excuse me, his whole life. Spot on the money all the time. That was the life of Jesus. And really it's our mission. And we know that we're human beings and we're flawed. And yet we use that as a scapegoat. Well, that was easy for him. He was God. No, he was also 100% man. Do that math. <laughs> Baffles my head. It's our mission now. He has passed this on. It's, it's to this church and to the church of the world, the church in the States, the church overseas, the church to represent God by his word. I mean, we are that bridge. <laughs> We're the voices. We're the hands and feet of Christ. We have to get this right. And in Luke, Christ sends out, you can turn there if you want, we'll be there for just a second, but you should see this. Luke chapter 10, I thought you were going to be bouncing around. Starting there in verse 2, he sends out his disciples. He said, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers, those who do the work, those are few. He says, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. He tells his disciples, and I send you out as lambs among wolves, carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. 
And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such as they give for the laborers worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you and heal the sick. And say to them, the kingdom, is God, the kingdom of God has come near to you. I mean, there's no pressure there, right? <laughs> He's going to send you out as lambs into wolves. Hey, enter these houses. Stay with people you don't know. Heal the sick and preach the kingdom of God. <laughs> don't forget, God is still God. He still wants this commission out. He still wants his disciples to go out. And he could have done this all by himself, right? Jesus could have just stayed around and done some thing and came back from the cross and walked around and done his thing. He didn't. <laughs> and here's where we, re we really hit the wall with our daily life and where we really accelerate in the life of Christ. He chose a different way to make his name known. That's the Holy Spirit. And he clues us in in this in John chapter 16. And he lets his disciples know, but now I'm going to go away to him who sent me. And none of you asked where you're going. In other words, they really didn't understand what was happening. But because I have said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. In other words, Jesus is going to the cross. He's not coming back to these guys. Nevertheless, listen, he goes, I tell you a truth. It is to your advantage, the disciples of Christ, the church among us today. It is to your advantage that if I go away for, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. In other words, Jesus is still going to be here. There's no need for this third party. But if I depart, I will send him. To you. That's an amazing promise because we know that Christ died on the cross. We know he was rose again. We know that he ascended. And then we see there in the book of Acts where that spirit descends in that day of Pentecost and they were speaking in tongues and prophesying and people were getting saved. That's the ushering in of the Holy Spirit that should be alive and well in the church now. I mean, we're just continuing the Acts church, right? There shouldn't be any different. It's better for you, as mind-numbing as it sounds, that Jesus is no longer on the earth. Better for you. <laughs> because now the ministry of the Holy Spirit takes place in our life. Now the full picture is in gear. And we can simultaneously, via the Spirit, live here, live on this earth, work, eat, sleep, play, laugh, whatever you want to do. And at the same time... Live in the Spirit. <laughs> That's how God intended it. In sync with His Word. In tune with the things He wants us to do all the time. Living in the Spirit. And there's some things we need to understand about the Spirit. The Spirit has this mystical persona about Him that's like, oh, that's a different time and that's a different place in the church. No, it's not. The Spirit should be alive and well. He's a, he's a personal companion, just like Christ was a personal companion. The Holy Spirit wants to be active in your life. He wants you to know Him by name and speak freely to Him with your concerns and your worries. I mean, it's the Father, God the Father, we know that, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They're all the same. 
I don't know how that works either. It's okay. It's like water. It's ice and steam and water. It's all the same. It's just different properties. They each have different uses. That's the way the Spirit is. Jesus says, the glory that you've given me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are, I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's an amazing promise that he will indwell in those who confess Christ and believe in Christ. And the Holy Spirit teaches us those things. That's how we discern what the Word is even talking about via the Holy Spirit. A carnal mind and a sinful mind, and un- they, they don't understand these things. I didn't understand these things. You most likely didn't understand these things. But through the illumination of the Spirit, the way He teaches, we begin to understand these concepts. We begin to put these concepts into practice, into our life. Just before leaving, he said, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father is going to send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of things. You ever had that happen? You have no idea what the Bible has to say, and yet suddenly there's this verse coming out of your mouth that's timely and pointed? That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guided the apostles. It guided the hands that wrote this word before us. It guided them as they clarified Christian doctrine and tried to teach the church this ministry of the Spirit and the words that Christ had taught them. And he continues to teach anyone who wants to learn about him. That's why we're here today, that the Spirit would just teach us something. Not what I have to teach. You can throw everything I say in the trash. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. That's how we learn. The Holy Spirit also has come along to help us when we need help. Jesus said that if we love him, we're going to keep the commands that he has commanded us to do. Man, we can't do that on our own. We are incapable of doing those things because there's nothing good that dwells in us. But when the Holy Spirit comes on us and takes over, Jesus says, you, I will ask the Father. You know, you can ask the Father and he will give you another helper and he will be with you forever. You can, you can be enabled via the Spirit to have strength that you shouldn't have. Not on your own. That's what Zechariah said, right? Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit. Doesn't matter how strong you are physically or how financially equipped you are. It doesn't matter. None of those things will matter. The Spirit gives us the strength we need. And that strength is simply a ministry that the Spirit uses to guide us in our daily life, to help us make decisions. We think that, well, I don't want to bother God with which refrigerator should I buy. Listen, that's what he wants us to bother him with. To show himself able to leave the spinning planet and everything happening and help you pick out the right frost-free Samsung, which I don't recommend Samsung, by the way. <laughs> My wife can attest to that. So if you're a Samsung fan, I apologize. They're trash. Stick with Kenmore. That's actually in my notes. No, I just lied. It's not at all. I wrote Kenmore's trash via the Spirit. So whoever that's, no, Samsung is trash. I don't know what I'm doing now. I just want to wrap it up and be done. He guides what to do. 
what's right, what's wrong. He says when he, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. In other words, that's for us too. What's right? What's wrong? What should I be doing? Where should I be going? The Holy Spirit should be in every aspect of our life. Not, it's not some switch, some light switch. Oh, I need the Holy Spirit now. No, we need the Holy Spirit all the time, 100% of the day. It's not some superhero. We're not, you know, Holy Spirit isn't, doesn't, God doesn't equip us like, like Batman. Batman is, is, is kind of my favorite superhero. If you guys are superhero fans, no. And it's like Batman's trash. Batman is not trash. Listen, Batman's the only one who is nothing without his stuff on. That's the way we're supposed to be. Put the stuff on. Wear the stuff all the time. I don't know why Batman would ever change out from being Batman into being, what was his name, Bruce something? <laughs> Geeks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like, like taking candy from giant babies. Listen. <laughs> Superman was always Superman. He can't change his ways. Batman, though, was like us. He wore his stuff, and then he was this super crime fighter that was almost invincible. Listen, you got to put on the stuff and just wear it. Walk around with your Batman costume on, for lack of a better term. The world is failing. There's always a need for the Spirit. So we always have to have those things. And lastly, the Holy Spirit will always, and this is a big one, the Holy Spirit will always, 100% of the time, without fail, illuminate Christ. Will point people to the feet of Christ. It's one of the most important ministries of the Holy Spirit. He always points to God the Father, always points you to Jesus, always points you to a place that you need to get right in. That's what He does. John says, the spirit of truth who comes out for the Father will testify of me. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit, to pull people to Christ. And that's very important in the world that we live in with this variety that we're out there right now of these spiritual claims. Listen, the Holy Spirit will never point you to the big guy upstairs, to some vague, generic spirituality. You know, you got to find your inner peace, ah, pfft, whatever. You need to find Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit will point to. There's no eye in the sky. There's no big guy upstairs. Listen, we know his name. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will always point to the name of Jesus. That's his ministry. And he does this mainly, really mainly through his written word. The psalmist writes that I will worship toward your holy temple and I will praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above your name. That's an amazing statement. Really, that's why we're here at Calvary Chapel Joplin. That's why we love this church so much. It's about the word, the word, the word, reading the word, understanding the word. Listen, you can stand up here and listen to message after message. It's great, but you have the written word of God in your midst. You can take it home. You can study it. You can find out for yourself. A lot of you guys do that. Keep doing those things. We have to know what is written before us. That's the entire point. David writes that it's your word that I've hidden in my heart. Why? Because I don't want to sin anymore. That I, I don't want to be this person. I want to live in the spirit. 
that's so important because the Holy Spirit in this new church, in this Acts church, has came into us and indwells in us. And he will never, I mean never, ask you to do something that's contradictory to the written word. That just doesn't happen. The Holy Spirit will not direct you in a task that will not illuminate Jesus. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The main ministry of the Holy Spirit, if you haven't picked it up by now, is to show Jesus. If the Word says, do not do it, <laughs> there's no chance the Holy Spirit will say, you should do it. There's no chance. And we find that all the time. I know the Word says this, but I think this, that's a falsehood. We talked about truth on Thursday night. You guys missed a great message that Billy gave about truth. Truth is not, it's what? Doesn't change. God will never show you something in the word that's, I've never thought about this before. It goes completely against the New Testament, but I'm going to do it anyway. This is, that's trash. That's not the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry will guide you to places He'll enable you to do the right thing or guide you in the right place to avoid the wrong thing. That's what he does. Whatever comes your way, the Holy Spirit will be there to help you en enable and further your ministry towards Christ or to get you out of a situation you should have never been in anyway. Well, how are we supposed to get all this done then via the ministry of the Holy Spirit? The gifts. <laughs> The gifts of the Holy Spirit that are alive and well in the church today. And we're in 1 Corinthians just for a brief moment there in chapter 12. If you want to flip over, you can. Paul writes this, now concerning spiritual gifts. This is such a blown up topic in the church today. Concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. I want you to understand, Paul says, about what that means. You know... Speaking to this church, you know that you were once Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. I love the way Paul speaks. We're kind of on the same page sometimes. However you were led, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. In other words, you're going to stick with what the, the Word has to say. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Pause, little side note in my life. I picked up a guy one time that got in the church van. He says, I think I may be demonically possessed. Instantly got in the van. I'm like, wow, okay. I go, hey, man, do you believe Christ is Lord? And he goes, yep. And I go, can you say that for me? Kind of referencing this verse. He goes, yeah, I believe Jesus is Lord. I'm like, well, you can't be demonically possessed then. He goes, okay, cool. I'm like, oh, anyway. <laughs> I'm like, what else you got? I can fix it all right now. Anyway, <laughs> listen, Paul says there's diversity of gifts, right? And everyone here is different, but it's all the same spirit. It doesn't, it doesn't override outside what the spirit is called. There's diversity. There are differences of ministries, but what? It's all the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's all the same God. Listen, it's all the same. We're all called and equipped differently. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one, one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. By another, the word of knowledge through the Spirit. To another, faith by 
The Spirit. You catching a pattern? Is this tracking with you? It's the Spirit, in case you weren't. Another, the gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Paul knows who he's talking to. <laughs> huh? That's us. Working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretations of tongues. But listen, one and the same Spirit works in all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And we're going to take this time at this time to outline all these gifts. But one thing you have to understand is that we all have them. Listen, we all have them. You think about the things that you're good at, the things that you're inclined to do. You know, and further down the scriptures, it even lists, you know, hospitality and the gifts of helps and administration. Some of you guys are numbers heads. Some of you guys have more practical skills. Listen, those are all giftings, the musical talents you've been given, whether it's teaching the word or, or just simply being around to pray for people or encouraging people, helping those around the church when the church has things going on. Listen, those are all gifts and we all have them. There are those who can really just motivate people, who can exhort people, who can admonish people at times. Artistic skills, building skills, listen, those are all gifts. We call them talents in the church, but they're really just gifts. You know, not everyone has these things, but we all can use these things. Some are better than others. I mean, we had a joke around here for years that we, we should have a God Hears Our Hearts choir. Because some of you guys, myself included, cannot sing. I sound like the old washed-up Elvis, you know, the bad one. Well, we all have these skill sets that are uniquely yours, that are defined by the way that you live your life. And the Spirit of God is indwelled, and He wants to use those things that you are really good at. To do the same things. And when you think about what the gifts are for, to empower us to do the same things that Jesus did. To heal the sick. To comfort. To teach. I mean, on and on and on. To counsel. Just to speak the written word of God into someone's life. We're set up for that stuff. We have everything we need. And we look at the lives that God used in the past, and we realize it's really not that intimidating. I mean, Peter, he's just a fisherman, right? He's just a normal working class guy, one of Jesus' disciples. And yes, he walked on water. <laughs> and yes, he, he healed the sick. He ushered in the day of Pentecost there in Acts, the brand new church that's, that's molded and empowered by the Holy Spirit. But he also denied Jesus three times. He also opened his mouth countless times and said stupid stuff. He personally tried to stop the arrest of Christ, which would save him from the cross, which ruined salvation for the entire planet. So put that one on your resume. If you haven't done that, you're winning. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Didn't mean to stop the plan of salvation. I was just, you know, what a nut. Paul, I mean, a Bible scholar, obviously, I mean, written half the New Testament, better than anyone when it comes to the law and all those things, but he missed Christ. He overlooked the ministry of Christ while Christ walked in his midst. He persecuted Christians. He scattered the church abroad. I mean, he was the reason they just went kind of nutso in Acts because Paul was on the loose. 
He was personally responsible for, for many deaths, and we know at least one, Stephen, just a deacon at the local church, Paul held the coats and they stoned this guy for his belief in Christ. But he met Jesus on that road. God changed his life. He went on missionary journeys. He was responsible for almost all of the New Testament. Amazing. Luke, the intellect, the doctor, he walked and talked with Christ. Recorded, really, we think, the book of Acts and his missionary journeys as he traveled with Paul the apostle and this new gospel was going out to all over the world. But listen, at the cross, Luke was nowhere to be found. <laughs> he split. I'm done. Listen, the bar is not super high. And we have to understand that these glaring flaws that we all have currently were the same flaws that these guys had in the past. And we tend to think that the, the, the Holy Spirit, the giftings of the Holy Spirit, are really only available to those who have this whole Bible and church and Jesus thing mastered. <laughs> it's not true. The Spirit dwells in us <laughs> currently the way we are. Paul would write in the book of Romans that we know the law is spiritual. But I'm carnal, he says, <laughs> and I'm carried away, sold under sin. For what I'm doing, that I don't understand. Paul, this is Paul. This isn't Russ's apostle. This is Paul's apostle. Paul writes, for what I will to do, that I don't practice. But what I hate to do, those are the things I do. Sound familiar? <laughs> if then I do what I will not to do, I agree that the law is good. But now it's no longer I who do it, but it's this sin nature that dwells within me. For I know that in me, that is, he says, in this carnal frame, there's nothing good. For to will, in other words, to want to do the right thing is present. But how to perform what's good, I don't know what's going on. I mean, this might as well be like our resume at this point. I find then, he says, this law that evil is present. The one who wills to do is good. For I delight in the law, according to the inward man. But I see another law. As in my members, warring against this law of my mind and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. In other words, Paul is struggling with the fact of, look, I want to do the right thing. I don't know how to do it. The things I hate to do, that's the first thing I run to. And it seems like no matter how far I get ahead, there's this sin nature in me that keeps welling up and causing me all kinds of problems. Does that sound familiar or is that just me? So he gives us the answer. He says, who is going to deliver me then from this body of death? And Paul writes this, man, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the answer. Jesus Christ and that belief and that confession and that indwelling of the Holy Spirit allowed Paul to pin some of the most amazing doctrine that the church has. Even though inside of his own flesh, he was never not a sinner. He was forgiven and moving forward in the spirit. Listen, if Paul, the apostle, struggled with doubt and sin and confusion... Put the pieces together. <laughs> it is not far from us that we should struggle from those things. 
God knows we're not perfect. Listen, if anybody knows you're not perfect, it's God. You know, now you ladies may be convinced that your spouse is perfect. He's awful. Just, you know, the ladies are all probably perfect. <laughs> Try not to get beat up. But we fall into this trap very, very easily as Christians to arrive at a place. When I get to a place, then I will. If I just understood the scriptures more, then I will. If I could just find a place where I'm at peace with God, then I feel I can start stepping out and serving. Listen, you will never serve if you're waiting on a place to arrive. You're already there. <laughs> you're already in the place. We have people pray all the time. And, and if this is you, I'm sorry, but don't pray for a yes. Should I serve? That's a ridiculous prayer. Pray for a where should I serve? When should I serve? Who should I serve? The yes is implied throughout the entire scripture. That God shouldn't have to say, yes, I would like you to serve. No, he wants you to serve. He wants you to share. He wants you to teach. He wants you to heal. When, how, whom, that's all up to him. But we shouldn't be wasting our time just praying for a yes. I mean, honestly, do you think that, Lord, should I, should I help Teach the children like God's going to be like, no, not you. No, 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 he wants you to. He wants you to be in the community. He wants you to be that voice. He wants to use you as the flawed example of how brilliant he is. God did this amazing work in your life. And yes, you're still kind of messed up. Who isn't? He wants to use you anyway. He says, now may the God of hope fill you. With that joy and that peace in believing that you may abound in all of these things by the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's an amazing concept. The question is not if you are called to exercise these gifts, but when and to who. You know, sometimes it's in this building as we're assembled together to edify each other. Sometimes it's outside the building as we're in the community as a church. Sometimes it's at your work. Sometimes it's at your house. Paul writes this, we have many members. We have many members, not just in this church, but community and globally, many members. All don't have the same function, though. For we, being many, are the body of Christ and individually members of another, just like your body itself. Having these gifts differing, in other words, we're all different, praise God, right? According to the grace that is given, let us use them. <laughs> not sit on them, not be dormant. God also bearing witness with signs and wonders and various miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. That's what he wants to do. And you may think you're invaluable in the kingdom. Well, I don't have a lot of skill sets and I really don't know. Listen, that's ridiculous. We're all one body. Christ is the head, correct? So nobody gets to be the big stuff, the brain, the eyes, the ears, the mouth. Just, just, just shut up about all that. Pick, pick something else. And we immediately move into hands and feet. I want to be the hands and feet of Christ. Does anybody ever want to be the spleen? You know, like what does the spleen even do? I don't know. seems like it causes problems a lot. Maybe that's my ministry. I'm the spleen. 
There are no pieces of your body that are invaluable. There are nothing, there's nothing about you that is worthless, and it all comes into play when you need it. And if you'll give me this horrible illustration, because I've used it with the students for years. Maybe it's just that old corny toenail that's hanging out there just annoying you, looking bad. But listen, in the middle of the night, when the back of that calf has is, is got an itch, and the whole body is becoming restless, the God, God doesn't call into play the spleen and the heart and the brain and the hands. Listen, just bring that old corny toe up and scratch it, and the whole body rests, right? Listen. Maybe some of you guys are just the old corny toe. I don't know. I don't know what your calling is. <laughs> Listen, if the only thing you take out of this is corny toe, I'm going to be ticked. <laughs> so think about something else. Now, that happened years ago at a youth camp. I said, hey, just because the Bible says don't shoot someone in the face, that doesn't mean it's okay, right? Because the Bible specifically doesn't say shooting in the face. And I had a student from another church. The only note he wrote, his mom was like, what is this? He wrote, don't shoot people in the face. <laughs> so if you've written corny toe down in your notes, just mark it out and put something spiritual there. Listen, the power of God is available, yes, to move mountains, but not just because you want to show off. If God wants to do that, I want to do it. If God wants to raise the dead, I would like to do that. I would like to turn water into wine, but I would also like to be a peacemaker. I would also like to have truth come from my mouth. I would like to have the countenance of Christ that's excited to be around the things of God. We fail a lot at that. Because we think that we're just not there. Listen, we are there. We keep the main thing out and we get distracted by all these teeny tiny issues and we kind of disqualify ourselves. Because Paul puts it this way, in case you were wondering, you can do all these things. You can speak with the tongues of angels. But without what? Without that love of Christ, you're just making noise. You're just clanging around like a brass cymbal. You have the gifts of prophecy. We understand the mysteries. We have all this knowledge. We have faith enough to move the mountains. But if we don't have love in there, if Christ is not indwelling, it's nothing. It's absolutely worthless. We bestow our goods to feed the poor. We give our bodies to be burned. In other words, we're doing everything we can do, but we don't have the love of Christ. Listen, it profits you nothing. The gifts do not exist for our benefit. They're not just supposed to be noisy or, or brash or rude. Love suffers long, right? It's kind. It's gentle. It's always wooing someone into, yes, there's a hell. <laughs> we get that. And there's a heaven. We get that. But listen, it's the goodness of God, right? It's how good he has been to you, how good he has been to your family, how much he's blessed you, even though we don't see it. He has blessed you beyond all. Just having you born into this country is blessing enough. God has chosen us. There's no doubt. If you're doubting that today, please don't. He's chosen us for an eternal purpose. And he's equipped his church with that Holy Spirit to make his name great. To be the salt and the light. 
We're easily distracted by the results. I get that. That's not going to change. Well, if God's going to do this, then why? Listen, I don't have any answers for that. I just know that sometimes God does. Both through the good and the bad, as Romans would attest, that all things, it all works together. Listen, though, but for those who are called, right, according to his purpose, that's how this game is played. The 70 were sent out, and they were preaching Christ, and they lost focus for just a minute. Because things were on the move and things were happening. And they came back and they were so excited. And they said, Lord, even, even the demons are subject to your name. He said, man, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I'm giving you guys, this same church, remember this. I'm giving you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing can hurt you. But don't rejoice in that stuff. Don't get caught up in the results, he's saying. Don't get caught up in all this, all this fluff and this wow. Stay focused. Rejoice because your names are written in the book of life. That's the power of the Spirit. Just, man, I don't know where. I, I, I don't care. The results are irrelevant. We've confessed and we believe. Keep our eyes on Christ and nothing else. And not get caught up in these losses. Not get caught up in the winds. You know, in our household, if one thing about it, the Hibbards are horrible losers. But man, we are even worse winners, right? A lot of you guys know what I'm talking about. It's not my goal necessarily to win at everything, but it is my goal to make sure that you lose at all costs. <laughs> that makes sense? Adam can attest to that. The losses and the wins. Listen, that's up to the spirit. Like I said earlier, we, we're like evil Knievel, right? We just, get, we just get blessed for the attempt. God's going to do what he is going to do. And Paul writes this, and we're almost finished. And you, church, you today, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you. Imagine this, you, in your flaws, <laughs> where you've been, what you've done, holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you just, what do you have to do? Just continue in the faith. Just continue in that belief. Stay grounded and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. So how do we do that? We close with the same verse that we started with. Not by might, not by your own actions, not by power, not by your strengths and your abilities, but by what? And my spirit. Why don't we pray? Someone closing? Oh, sorry, Abby. I didn't give you a clue. Hey, don't pray yet. Everybody look up. <laughs> We'll get, into the, we'll get into the mode here in a minute. It's almost invisible what happens sometimes, right? Not by might. Not by power. But what? By my spirit, says the Lord, right? Let's pray. God, I thank you for uh, your word today. Lord, and I just pray today for uh, hearts that are here that are... Uh, just struggling with that 
that life in the spirit of being joyful and hopeful and helpful. All those things that you were, Lord, I pray that you would just encourage us today and empower us. Lord, yes, we're, we're in this flesh and blood tent and it's flawed and it's, it's just not doing well sometimes. But God, your spirit is and your voice could be clear today in a heart that needs it and, and encouragement today. Let us thank you for that gift of the Spirit and, and the way that you just move around and you say what you need to say to each life that's here, both corporately as we gather as a church, yes, and but individually. And I just pray today for those who, who just need to know that you've, you've empowered them and you've indwelled them, Lord, to get, uh, get us moving. Get us out of our comfort and, and into where you want us to be. And I just, I lift up those who are struggling with that. I pray you bless it. And, and Lord, I just take the time here. You know, if you're out there and, and, and you just need that, even that touch of, of salvation today, that the spirit is speaking to you. <laughs> that man, I'm, I'm, I'm real and, and man, I want to forgive. And if you know where you've been and what you've done, and it's not a long drawn out process to know that you need saved and if if that's you listen real quick while eyes are closed and heads are bowed that if the spirit is speaking clearly let's pray you take that step today that bold step we can pray with you and, and usher in this life of of forgiveness and joy and hope but listen if that's you and and you know that you need christ today you just do me a favor and just raise your hand briefly. I'll, you can put it right back down. You don't have to keep it up or nothing. I see you in the back there. That's awesome. That if God has called you today to just understand that he's real and that Christ's forgiveness is real. Anyone else today? And listen. If that's you today, just you can pray in your in your spirit and just repeat these words like, Lord, I, I know that I'm a sinner and I know that I've done things and I'm not living for you. And God, I just pray that you would forgive me of those sins and, and make yourself real in my life today. And that's it. <laughs> it's the power of, of salvation and confession and belief. God, we thank you for time today. Thank you for your life-changing spirit and, and your gifts that you've bestowed upon us. And I pray you just uh, leave, we leave here today just empowered to use those things. Not, not, not as we will, God, but always do the will of the Father. This, we are equipped and, and we're full and we're satisfied in you. And I pray that you just have your way in the lives that are here today. And Lord, we just lift all this up to you in, in Jesus' name. Amen.